Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party. Don't say sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where absolutely everything is wonderful in the world because it is Pride Month. I am Karen Peterson, joined by the amazing, incomparable Lauren Humphreys Brooks. The ineffable. Um, hello. I almost said ineffable instead of, I was trying to combine two words there. Whoops. The, ine the inevitable LHB. There we go. I am. It's true. I am inevitable. That is, yeah, yeah. You and Thanos, both of you. Yep, for good or ill, I am inevitable. <laughs> How are you, Lauren? I'm good. We are recording a little bit late for me, which means that, like, you know, I've had a couple glasses of wine, very chill right now. So, yeah. I mean, it's only six o'clock here, but I'm in my forties and I've worked since six o'clock this morning, so it may as well be nine o'clock <laughs> for me, and I feel totally brain fried. So. In other words, it's late for me, too. Who knows what's going to happen in this episode? We're going to have some fun. That's what's going to happen. Because everything sure is good. And you know what? Everything is gay, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Oh, goodness. Um, and true. I say that because we're going to start with the great news, and then we'll come back to some of the ugh news, and then we'll come back to the awesome news. That's how we're going to do this today. All right. Or you do like the sandwich, though. Yeah. I, so, I support that. So the great news, and the reason I said everything is gay, is because our flag means death got its renewal. Yay! So and they, and you know, we should have known. We should have known that they were going to wait until the first day of Pride Month. That was such to, a gift from to HBO. announce it. Like as soon as they did it, I was like, Ah, oh, I see. I see what you. I see. I get it. All right. You know what? Props. Props mm -hmm. for that. Um, yep. But so yes. we will get to see more of the saga between Steed Bonnet and Blackbeard, also known as Ed. And I cannot wait. And in, I guess, related news, we also got a two season pickup of what we do in the shadows. They are getting, not only are we anxiously awaiting season four, which is just a few weeks away, but they have gone ahead and said, guess what, folks? You get a season five and a season six too. Yay! So, oh, I just now we just now we just need some crossover where we get like like pirate vampires. Yes, that's and... exactly what we need. Like seriously, <laughs> they could put they could totally put Nandor and La um, Laszlo and Nadia. Yeah. In what we do in the shadows, that would be yeah, so they... easy. In fact, in fact, like Steed could be smuggling them across the ocean. They could be. Yes. He could be how they got to Staten Island in the first place. Uh, perfect. See? See? Mm -hmm. Then it works. It's that perfect. It's a perfect overlap. <laughs> and everything will be wonderful. Um, yeah. No, I, so I am great. <laughs> I'm really excited about both of these. I kind of figured that what we do in the shadows was going to get, if it was, if they wanted to keep making it, I figured that it was going to get picked up. It's been very, 
popular, but obviously they gotta lock in those that cast because yeah. they're getting all kinds of opportunities in other places. Um, especially Harvey again, who plays Guillermo. Um, he's mm-hmm. just all over now, and which is so awesome to see. I love him so much. He's my favorite. And if he does not get an Emmy nomination, I will cry real actual tears. <laughs> he's doing work. You know, he's yeah. he's really yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about this. And of course, I'm really excited about our flag means death. I'm glad because I like I said, I think I said this on another episode where I was like, I don't know if I can emotionally handle <laughs> this show not getting renewed because you can't leave me like that. Like it's seriously and you yeah. know, and I know that the next season they're going to drag it out for as long as they possibly can. And it's going to be painful and emotional and everything. But still, I need it. Which is what's going to make it all worth it in the end. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, like, I, I couldn't do it until I got that official, like, I knew that they were going to renew it. I knew they would. But I just couldn't until they got the official word. Then, like, immediately I hit play on episode one again. I was like, okay, now I'm ready to go back in and watch this again. Because... As long as I know that this isn't the end. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, yeah. Just pure joy. So. Very, very I just, I just can't. I keep on going like, but when, what's gonna happen when they see each other again? What will happen? I cannot freaking <laughs> wait. It's gonna be awesome, and because it's gonna be like so awkward, and I, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and also, also Blackbeard has like committed several murders and mutilations, and like I mean, you know, yeah. Blackbeard. I mean, he is Blackbeard. He is a pirate. He is doing what pirates do. So, you know, but at the same time, it's like, bro, he's like gone full emo, you know, (laughs) just like he's descending into toxicity. It's not good, man. But yeah, I can't I can't wait. I I will be really excited to see what happens next. It's going to be glorious. It's yeah. They need to just hurry up, film it now. Well, I guess Taika is going to be busy doing some uh press and stuff right now with his new movie and then he's got another shoot then he's got a new one coming out like i think it's still coming out in the fall he's just too busy he's got time to film stuff like it's fine right i know (laughs) i'm just trying to figure out like when would be the best time to do it like could they get this out for the fall it's probably gonna be the spring in all yeah so but that's fine that's fine we're getting it eventually and that is fine so uh yeah so that was the exciting and awesome news that we got in the last week or so and we're very very happy um we also had some other things happen in the last week or so that made us very very not happy we reached the end of the Depp Heard trial not the Depp Heard saga that's still gonna go forever um but the trial ended and I mean it it didn't really surprise any of us did it no, I guess I was I was kind of hoping that it would go a different way. It doesn't surprise me, but it, it is. I would be less bothered by this outcome if it wasn't for all of the social media shit that has surrounded it. Um, and that's that's what's been really difficult and really surprising. And and I don't know how we can argue that it didn't affect the trial because the jury wasn't sequestered. Um, there were all kinds of problems with the jury, like, oh, 
all of this shit. And then just to see the outpouring kind of misogyny and meanness and cruelty and everything that's coming out of this. And then the repercussions of, um, of the decision, even though, you know, ba basically, and I think that this was something that, that a number of newspapers highlighted was the fact that they were essentially found guilty of defaming each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the idea that like, oh, he 100% won his case, he won the social media battle and he won to a certain extent, he won the, the public battle. But it is interesting how even over the past few weeks, the the attitude has shifted. Um, and it's one of the few things that actually gives me a little bit more hope is the way that the public has actually reacted to this has been to essentially be like, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. This is damaging. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that we're actually talking about that, I think, is very important because this is one of those things that could have happened. And then people have been like, oh, yeah, well, she's a bitch. We don't like her. Yeah. Um, and it would have kind of entered that sort of realm of the of you know pop culture. Yeah, um, that's a good point, because I think that I think that the fact that when you really actually look at the three statements that she was found liable for, not guilty. Holy crap. If people don't stop saying she was found guilty, she wasn't found guilty of anything. It wasn't a criminal trial. Stop it. Um, but the three statements that she made, she does not actually name him in any of those three statements. And then the one that he was found liable had to do with his lawyer calling her allegations a hoax. So that was very eye-opening for a lot of people where they're like, the ones that are actually paying attention and not just like doing this whole cult of personality crap, the ones that are actually paying attention, no matter what side they initially might have been on going into that, it's like, wait, so it was wrong to say that she was committing a hoax, but also all the things that were supposedly not a hoax were like she has to pay for I don't it's it doesn't make sense. And so there's going to be a there's going to be an appeal and yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens on appeal um what was inevitable and we all saw it coming a mile away was how quickly everyone not everyone but you know the the loud like free Johnny Depp people uh justice for Johnny blah 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 uh those folks immediately launched into going after Evan Rachel Wood for the things that she has said about uh, Marilyn Manson. Um, mm -hmm. And then today it was all about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And like, that's a whole other complicated story. And I don't know what the real story is there. I don't know any of these people, you know? Um, and I don't know what to believe, but it doesn't really matter because I don't have mm -hmm. to make a decision on what to believe. What does matter is that the same justice for Johnny folks are now justice for Brad and they're all in on attacking Angelina Jolie. And this is just going to keep going. Yeah. They all have carte blanche to just start, or they think they do to just start going after any man who is accused by a woman that they decide not to like. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, that's one of the, and immediately, you know, no, a number of different people, not just media commentators, but also, um, uh, people who who work with domestic violence victims were talking about how what a bad precedent this sets because it's it's essentially saying so what does this say that we're not you're not allowed to say that someone who beat you beat you you're not allowed to you know and and one of the things that, that a number of people pointed out is that 
one of the things that that at least the social media people were using against Amber Heard was the fact that she took pictures, the fact that she recorded things. Yeah, she did exactly what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Which is is what you're told to do. Right. Is what domestic violence victims are told to do. Get evidence if you get hit take a picture of it, right? Don't rely on simply your word, right? And she did exactly that. And then people were using this just like, well, obviously she was just lying or she was faking or something like that because who would, you know, who in the midst of this fight or the midst of domestic violence would think to do that? It's like, so basically you're screwed if you don't because who's gonna believe your word? And you're screwed if you do because you're obviously faking to get back at him or something like that. And and that's what's so damaging about this. At the same time, I do think we need to note is that the complications of this case, including where it was tried (laughs) um, and including all of the people involved including the jury, the judge, the various lawyers, et cetera, this is, you know, something like the Evan Rachel Wood case is not the same thing. The social media impact I think is dangerous. Yes. The actual legal precedents, I think that we're going to have to wait and see what happens with all of this. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about why this was being tried in Virginia versus anywhere else, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. But yeah, there there is this kind of opening of um, it's it, it is open a can of worms that at the end of the day, I don't I think that there are a lot of people who, who were in this kind of oh, free Johnny Depp that were stupid. They just did not think and did not realize they were so wrapped up in their fave, right? Um, that they they didn't think about the reality of what was happening and the damage that they were doing. And the fact that this is anti-feminist, you know, and I have actually told some people that I know, you know, this is anti-feminist. This is and this is patriarchal. This you are reinforcing misogynist violence. And you know, and of course it gets very defensive, just like, no, I'm not, I'm j- I just don't, you know, I, I believe, I believe victims, you know, and as like, yeah, but look at, look at the entire course of this case, but look at everything that has happened. This is violence. This is patriarchal violence and you are participating in that. Um, and it is very similar to some of the, the rhetoric that surrounded people like Monica Lewinsky, who, whose crime, right, was to have an affair. That's what she did wrong. And I'm not saying of the United States as a 23 year old girl. Exactly. Right. So that was the big crime that she committed. And she has been, you know, and and she's finally kind of gotten out of that and is actually a very wonderful and very uh, interesting person now. But the way that she was subjected to, to just jokes and cruelty and public scrutiny constantly for so long, Right. And this is very similar. And now we look back at that and go like, oh, yeah, we really did. We really did wrong to Monica Lewinsky because we did. And now I just like, oh, but Amber Heard, Amber Heard's a bitch. And it's like it's the same fucking playbook and it's women. And we need to we need to recognize that it is primarily women who are participating in this. It is women who are acting as the gatekeepers. It is women who are launching these misogynist attacks against other women. And we really need to deal with that. And I, in some ways it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's good. Uh, it is, this has illuminated a problem that exists within the feminist movement and always has. Like this isn't, you know, a new thing particularly, but this has actually given scrutiny to it. And, and we really need to deal with it. We really need to talk about it because it's women that are doing this to other women. Yep, exactly. Ugh. 
You said that so well, I do not have anything <laughs> to add. <laughs> so. I'm just like sitting here going, I'm mad. Yeah, no. I'm mad it, about it is, this shit. It's, it's, I mean, this has always existed, uh, especially whenever women's movements start to really catch on. Um, this, there's always a backlash that is frequently led by women who want to uphold the patriarchy because it benefits them. Um, and because they have a very limited worldview and lots of other reasons. But, um, I, I do, I agree with you. I find a little bit of hope in the way that people have come back around, like what we were just talking about with actually reading the verdicts and really looking at what's happening. And obviously most of us are not legal minds, you know, we just know what we can kind of piece together. But I think that the way people have kind of taken a step back and said, wait, this is weird. And then how quickly social media pounced on other cases for me, I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't supposed to be like a line of dominoes. We didn't just knock one down and we're watching the whole thing fall now. And like justice for all these wronged men. Some of these men are really tor terrible people. So I just, I hope that, that mm -hmm. we can get to a point where, or not that I hope that we don't get so frustrated with the way people react that we back off and stop fighting because we're clearly yeah. making progress. Well, and, and I think that we've, and we've talked about this before, so I won't rehash the same arguments again, but the, the very existence of a backlash indicates as there's something to backlash against, basically. Yeah. There's something to respond to. And one of the things that has happened over the past five years, really, is major steps forward in uh, not just in Hollywood, but in the way that women are treated in the world. And what we're seeing across the board is a backlash against that, is the patriarchy attempting to reassert itself. And it's doing it in a lot of different ways. And some of it is the, the fragmentation of the feminist movement. Because I think that some of the people who, you know, who have been supporting Johnny Depp or, um, uh, really consider themselves to be feminists. They consider themselves to be doing the right thing and supporting victims, et cetera, um, and are kind of blind or not noticing the very real damage that they're doing. Uh, and and so I, I think that there always has to be a balance. And like you say, you, I, we've talked about before about taking the long view of history and recognizing that the way to respond is not to just step back and be like, okay, well, it's over now. Um, the way to respond is to be is to keep on pushing forward because the only way that a backlash succeeds is if people simply stop fighting. Right. Uh, and as long as people are fighting, we're going to continue to move forward. Yes. That's my belief. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Totally agree. Um, so another not great thing. In fact, I think it's pretty horrible thing that happened this week is. Um, Sydney Prescott herself, Nev Campbell, did announce that she will not be in the next Scream movie, Scream 6, and it's all about money. They did not offer her what she feels she is worth, what she obviously is worth, um, and she said no. So in a statement, she said, sadly, I won't be making the next Scream film. As a woman, sorry, it just jumped. <laughs> the page just loaded weird. Um. Sorry. Okay. 
As a woman, I have had to work extremely hard in my career to establish my value, especially when it comes to Scream. I felt the offer that was presented to me did not equate to the value I have brought to the franchise. It's been a very difficult decision to move on. To all my Scream fans, I love you. You've always been incredibly supportive to me. I'm forever grateful to you and to what this franchise has given me over the past 25 years. And she didn't say what the lowball offer was. Um, and she didn't need to. The fact that she just said, the, sh- the fact that she came right out and said, hey, this is what happened. This is why I said no. I'm so glad that she did. Because I think that more people, especially women, um, when that is the reason that they're turning down a project, I think they need to say so. Because the the franchise exists because of, of her character, because of her work, because of what she did. And if they're still not going to recognize that and give her what she what she has determined that she deserves to make, then I think that's perfectly valid and I think that's a mm-hmm. good thing to talk about and be open about. Well, and there, there's always this attitude when this kind of thing happens, when a woman turns down a role or says that she's not coming back to a role because of money, there's usually this immediate response, just like, oh, she's being greedy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, no, not really. I mean, yeah, like you say, Nev Campbell is kind of, she's Cindy Prescott. She, yeah. She's the star of the first Scream film. Um, she's the star of the franchise in a lot of ways. A lot of the, the franchise is building off of her and her character. And so she deserves fair compensation for that. Um, it's interesting in the Variety article, actually, they they talk about um, a, a conversation that Campbell and J.B. Lee Curtis had about, um, you know, being in horror films and making money off of horror films. And both of them were talking about the fact that they didn't really earn that much from being these like, and these are seminal horror films. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is is one of the original final girls, you know, mm-hmm. she's, you know, and, and again, the Halloween franchise, it exists without her, but it also doesn't exist without her. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, she talked about not, you know, particularly making a great deal of money off of off of making horror films. Campbell talked about um, and what she says is there's always the promise of a back a back end. And then, of course, it's drowned in publicity and costs. And they say, oh, actually, no, we didn't make the money that we're claiming we made, so we don't have to give you that. And she ends this by saying it was the Weinsteins. So, you know, we got to remember that, too, that, um, uh, and she's talking specifically about Scream 3, which is very thinly veiled about the Weinsteins. Uh, And... And we always have to note that, that like, you know, you've got these, these, and it's, it particularly happens to women, women who star in these very successful franchises um, and are not getting compensated for it. So I think it's totally fair for her to be like, you know what, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to figure something out without me mm-hmm. um, and either pay me what I'm worth or leave me alone, basically. Yeah. Um, by the way, Scream 1 and Scream 5 or 5 Cream are the most <laughs> successful <laughs> worldwide so of the franchise just fun little aside there but <laughs> anyway so either they need to up their offer or i hope she really does just say nope i'm done and then i hope they don't do some bullshit like kill her off screen and say like oh no sydney prescott died because that would really be wrong they i mean in- just, yeah if they're if they're gonna even do this then it needs to just be she's living her life you know 
which would be a completely fine ending for the character, to be honest. Sydney Prescott deserves to just live her life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, but I, I just mean, don't I, trust these guys. I don't trust them to not just be like, oh, well, you didn't want to take our offer? Fine. You're never coming back yeah. to this franchise because you're dead now. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely. Yeah. I, I in, so, in some ways, you know, I felt like actually Five Cream. Uh, ended ended the kind of the le- the whole this whole concept of the legacy sequel, right? Which is what it was all about, and I really enjoyed that, right? But I think that that does kind of mean that they can leave the original characters alone at that mm-hmm. point, right? So they they made choices about who they were going to kill off, who they weren't going to kill off, etc. Um, but at this point, it's like, okay, well, the, you've done the legacy sequel thing, so now there's what's the next step, and some of that can just be can just mean leaving the original characters behind and going on and doing something different. Right. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see what they actually come up with. Like, yeah, like you say, I, I really hope that they don't get pissy about it and be like, well, fine, we're just going to kill you off off screen, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. All right. So are you ready to talk some movies? I am ready to talk some movies. So this is June, which means it is Pride Month, and we love Pride Month. And so we wanted to kick this off with talking about some favorite queer and LGBTQ plus films. Um, we got some great ones from from some listeners, too. So just to start us off, Lauren, what's one of your favorites? One of my favorites, and it's incredibly predictable, and I don't care, is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, it's, if anyone has not seen Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I think, I believe that it, it should still be on Criterion. If it's not, just go and find it. It is hilarious. It is bizarre. It's wild. It's very curiously emotional. Um, it, it's a fantastic film. Uh, I had the opportunity actually to see um, John Cameron Mitchell on stage and, and he's just a great performer. Like he's, he's wonderful to watch. Uh, I, I love Hedwig and the Angry Inch. It's just like, it's got that punk element to it, which I think is so much a part of, of queerness on film and queerness in public is just that kind of outrageousness and that audacity and that willingness to just push the envelope of things and um it's it's a fantastic film yeah i i it always like kind of energizes me i always want to get up and dance that and rocky horror picture show are kind of the two (laughs) although rocky horror has its issues uh at least in terms of the um the attitude of, of one of the creators but it is a fantastic film nice um, so one of my very, 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 very favorites, and it was actually mentioned by um, Shakita, and we're going to get into that in a minute, but um, it's The Birdcage. Yes. <laughs> I love The Birdcage <laughs> so much. It's, uh, I actually need to watch it again. I haven't watched it in a while, but um, it is so fun. Like, I remember seeing it in the theater for the first time, and I was laughing so hard, I was, like, about to pee my pants. And I just, it's, but it's also, it's really touching, too. And it gets into some of those emotional, like, just the whole thing with Nathan Lane's character and how um, he plays this, this 
I don't know if she's if she's trans or I'm not I'm not entirely sure on that. But yeah, I think that the way that she's represented, she's a drag queen. So right. okay. So I but I believe that as in her drag persona, she identifies as female. Right. But okay. outside of her drag persona, she identifies as as a gay man. Um, that's my understanding based upon what the film shows. The film's kind of nebulous about it. It is, and I feel like if it were made today, it would be a little bit more definitive. But yeah. um, which. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want them to ever remake that movie because it's perfect. But also I do well, think that, oh, sorry, what? I was going to say, well, and it's based on La Cage Faux. The, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it is kind of a, a and I think, a remake. In, yeah. I think in that one, it's similar where it's uh, the, the Nathan Lane character in that one is, um, is a drag queen who is a gay man otherwise. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's got that kind of, it's almost a dual persona. Yeah. Yeah. And Nathan Lane plays both sides of that persona so, so well. Like, he's uh, it's such a great, he, he gives such a great yeah. performance. But it's really touching when, um, when there are those conversations with um, the son, what's his name? It's been a Val. long time. Val. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. About like, well, you know, I'm, I'm your mother, you know, I'm the one that's been here for you. And why do you need this other woman who's never really been around? And, and, you know, why do you have to present this image of something that doesn't really exist and is not actually you? And I just, I love that so much. And, um, yeah. Plus, well, I think Azaria is so funny. Oh so funny. So is Robin Williams. <laughs> yes. uh, Robin Williams is great. And I mean, that the scene where he does all of the different choreographers is... <laughs> Just classic. I think the, I think people have just seen that scene and don't know where it's even from. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's honestly the Birdcage is one of my favorites. I think the Birdcage is one of the first. Uh, ex- this that and Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, are kind of the two that probably the first explicitly queer films that I ever saw. Yeah, um, and. And yeah, the the birdcage. I, I absolutely agree with you about the Nathan Lane character and how that character could be just a joke, right? It could be like, oh, this really extreme kind of flaming queen, drag queen, this big persona, right? But Lane in particular gives her depth, mm-hmm. and and in and reality, and the fact that yeah, she. For all intents and purposes, she is Val's mother, right? You know, th- she raised this kid and is heartbroken that basically he's like, I want to deny my mother. I want to deny the fact, but at the same time is willing to go along with it because she cares so much about her son. Right. Uh, and and it's so it gives this nuance to a performance and to a story that could just be really broad and and funny, but not really meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the entire film ends with Gene Hackman in drag, which is just fantastic. <laughs> it's so perfect. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Good one. Um, okay. We'll come back to more of our favorites in a second. But really quickly, we got some submissions. So Mason said 1999's Fucking Amal, which I had not heard of. And then when you said Show Me Love, I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is starting to come back to me now. Um, so it was released as Show Me Love in the United States. It's a Swedish film, you said? Yeah. By Lucas Moodyson. And, um, so I have not seen that and I 
need to, and I will add it to my list. Um, Shakita also submitted a few. Um, really good ones. She did say the birdcage, and then she says, Robin Williams, duh, and yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. She also said Moonlight, Portrait of a Lady yeah. on Fire, and Love, Simon. Those are all just perfect movies. So, so, so good. All very different films, too. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, and and Moonlight, I, in particular, you know, is such a it's it's an inter- that's an interesting film because it's so understated in so many ways, but at the same time feels so important and groundbreaking. Um, and yeah, like I mean, Moonlight is fantastic, and I like the fact that it's it's about it's about this this gay black man and him dealing with all with being gay and black, right? And well, and all, male. All, all while, yeah, all while living in a place where he couldn't be gay like that wasn't yeah that wasn't acceptable in the community where he is and also he has a mother who is a drug addict who has all kinds of problems he's got like the closest thing he has to a father figure is not his father it's like his mom's dealer and um and so he doesn't have someone to be a guide and a mentor through and it goes for anybody who hasn't seen Moonlight, it goes through three different times of this man's, this young man's life. Like, it starts when he's young, very young, and then when he's a teenager, and then when he's an adult and he's more um, able to be who he is. And so it's just kind of that, that journey. And, um, and yeah, he kind of has to find his way through it. And, um, and it really just puts you, it, it's such a, such a beautiful film. Mary Jenkins is such an amazing job because it, it really does help you, at least for me, it helps me like understand more of that experience, um, on a lot of levels mm-hmm. and it's amazing acting, um, just beautifully shot. Um, just, yeah, such a, such a special gift of a movie yeah and it's it really will forever bother me that the whole envelope <laughs> thing happened because yeah. that became the thing that is synonymous with this movie and it's not remembered for what it really is yeah no definitely and the i was just gonna say that even though the, it's such a serious subject matter in a lot of ways it's still a it's a very hopeful and yeah. kind and gentle film it's it's about in a lot of ways it's about positive masculinity in spite of all right mm-hmm. And and there's something it's very uplifting, actually. And I really like that about it because we're so used to seeing in dramas, especially um, and particularly black people generally being hurt or killed or badly damaged um, and for there not being a great deal of hope. And when you're also talking about LGBTQ subject matters, then it, it's very often even worse. It's either kind of, you know, the broad comedy or it's <laughs> deeply depressing. Uh, and and this one manages to be a drama that is not depressing particularly. It takes things very seriously, but it is very elevating and uplifting and very much about kind of perseverance and um, and not perseverance in kind of like, oh, he fights back against the system sort of way, but just in continuing to be the person that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and then... We've talked a lot about Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Like, we have. In fact, like, we did it, a whole episode all about it. You can go we did. To that. Mm-hmm. We did. 
Yes, it is a great film. Yep. And Love Simon is just such a such a sweet, cute movie. For anybody who hasn't seen that one, you should definitely watch that too. Um I I think it it's uh I remember when it came out and people were like, Do we still need movies like this? And I'm like, the fact that you're asking that question says that we do. You mean of the like one or two films that we have like that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, we've got teen romantic comedies, but most of them are not about gay people. <laughs> right. And that struggle of like, I, I think, I think, I mean, it just does so many things so, so beautifully and so sweetly. And, you know, that he's really struggling with finding the right way or the right time to come out. And then it just kind of happens. And, um, he's been geared up for like this big backlash against him. And then it doesn't happen at all the way he thought it would. And, um, yes, we definitely need more movies like that. Uh, so sorry. Um, I was trying to find, (laughs) I I was clicking on the wrong tabs. Okay. And we also, this was in our DMs. I think it was probably just because it was a long message, but just in case you didn't want your name attached to it, I'm not, um, uh, I'm just going to say someone sent this to us. Um, you know who you are and thank you. So concerning LGBTQ plus films, I'm curious what you would consider essential or favorite bisexual films. It seems difficult when so many portrayals lean into harmful tropes uh, such as psychotic bi woman character just fooling themselves and is really gay or straight, etc. I believe Casablanca is a quintessential bi film, but I don't see it come up too much. That's an interesting one because I, I would actually like to hear more about that because I never particularly interpreted Casablanca as being a, a bi film. I hadn't uh, either, and then I Googled it because of this question, mm-hmm. and there's, like, whole Reddits about it. <laughs> really? That's fascinating. Like, is, so is, is, it, is it the Rick-Louis relationship, or um, what is it? <laughs> yeah, it's Rick and Louis. There was also, let me find, there was another one that, um, <laughs> let's see. Um, sorry. There's also, oh yeah, there was a question about uh, Louis Renault and someone was like, what, is he supposed to be straight or is he gay or is he bi? And someone else was like, he's just French. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, someone else had said that it's because um, there's multiple times where Rick leaves a conversation with a woman to go have a conversation with a man, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm actually going to dive into that a little bit more. I didn't, I really had never looked at it that way. And so I didn't really realize, I wish that I had seen that question sooner so I could have given it more attention, but, um, but yeah. So I would love to hear more from you. Um, dear listener about why that is a quintessential by film because I am totally open to hearing that interpretation and I would love to know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there any films Lauren that you would consider essential or by or favorite 
bisexual. Well, so. one that I actually just just thought of, and and I, I think that the that the commenter is right about this one because there does seem to be, and I think that some of some of this is a little bit because getting actual you know gay content, right, same sex content, um, has been such an uphill battle for so mm-hmm. long that when films are made about gayness um, or, or about the LGBTQ community, it tends to be a romance, you know, you've got romantic comedies, but we've also got, you know, romantic dramas and that it does kind of come down on the the binary, as it were. Um, Actually, one that came up just as I was thinking about it is Cabaret, which is not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say it's 100% a, a bi film necessarily, but it is about different ways of loving people. And the way in which the the Michael York and the and the Liza Minnelli character truly love each other and desire each other in a lot of ways, even though he also has desires for uh, other men, and they're they come to a kind of really interesting equilibrium where they they have this strong attachment to one another and they love each other and they care for one another, without necessarily being sexualized, uh, etc. Again, so I, I think that. There is still that kind of attitude of like you're either one or the other sort of thing, but that film does actually explore the notion of loving people in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that would be one that that I think of. It's interesting actually. If you Google this, so many of the films, I'm just like, no, that that's gay. That they're gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Disobedience is one that that came up. The one, the film with Rachel Weisz and um, Rachel McAdams, which is uh, is similar in the sense that it is about different ways of loving people, and love and being desiring um, one person, but also being in love with another and um, of different genders. And so I think that that could kind of be looked at in the same way. But again, there's still that component of these two women actually want to be with each other sexually and they're not really interested in men sexually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one that I think kind of, cause I, yeah, it, it's complicated because so often it feels like they'll just throw in, Oh, well this character's actually bisexual so that you can check that box. Like, Oh look, we have diversity in this movie, but then they're still either going to, have entirely gay or entirely straight relationships anyway. So, um, so it does get complicated. Um, but a lot of people in real life are like that too. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tricky, but, um, one movie that I saw on a couple of lists and that at first I was kind of thinking, uh, does that really count? And then I was like, wait, actually, yeah. Shiva baby. Did you ever watch that one? I think it was last. I did. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, Because at first I was thinking, like, well, no, she's a lesbian, you know? She's totally into this girl. But then I thought, well, but she actually has feelings for the guy that is her sugar daddy. Yeah. Um, It's it's not that she's just awkward because he's there with at this funeral with his wife and his kid. It's it's there's a lot of reasons why it's awkward. So, Um, yeah. So I think that's a that's a good one. And I think that needs to be in the rotation Mm -hmm. for people. Very few representations of bisexual men. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I say I think that actually probably, and if I were to think about it for longer, I would probably be able to come up with some classical films that fit that criteria because it was so frowned upon. You know, you couldn't. Well, not not frowned upon. 
it was not allowed <laughs> to, uh, to, to depict same-sex relationships. And so very often men who would be otherwise typed as queer or gay were presented as being in marriages or relationships with women, et cetera. And so some of them could potentially be read as, as more bisexual than gay. On the other side of it, then you also have to deal with the fact that, yeah, but also it's just being closeted. Yeah. Um, and and sort of being you know, compulsory heterosexuality. So, yeah, probably there there are certain films in. In fact, there are some films like with um, like the Rock Hudson and Doris Day films, and some of them with like Tony Randall, right? Who is very often depicted as being this guy who's constantly striking out with women, but is also also typed in a lot of ways as being queer. Um, some like it hot might qualify actually yeah, maybe. the jack lemon character at least because mm -hmm. yeah. he definitely desires women but he definitely also is gay at the same time so yeah so you could definitely interpret him as being bisexual again it's difficult to to overlay that kind of thing because everything has to be a little bit subsumed right it's true um, I think probably the most bisexual movie that I have ever seen is Interview with the Vampire. Um, Vampires are automatically polyamorous. Like, yes, they just, definitely. they want everybody <laughs> all the time. So, like, any vampire movie is automatically just, like, it's not even bisexual. It's poly polyamorous, polysexual. Mm -hmm. It's all the sexuals. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Um, any other pansexual? There we go. That's what I meant. Pansexual, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is true. Good point. Um, well, in terms of, I mean, actually, in terms of television shows, the character of David on um, uh, Schitt's Creek is mm -hmm. is pansexual, right? And and so he he desires and sleeps with uh, at one point both both men and women and everybody that like he he finds everyone attractive. So. Um, again, not bisexual representation, pansexual representation, but that's even rarer. Mm -hmm. Except in vampire movies. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's true. <laughs> so, did you have any other um, favorite movies for Pride, just in general, that people should watch? Um, if anyone has not seen Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, uh, you have to because it's great. Gem of a movie. And it is it is Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze and John Leguizamo <laughs> as drag queens. And I always marvel at the fact that anyone at any point could think that Wesley Snipes or Patrick Swayze, who have shoulders out to here, <laughs> yep. right? And are like, could could just be like, oh, they're totally women. Like <laughs> it's just like, no. <laughs> John Leguizamo passes very well oh, actually but he's, like yeah and he's supposed to right mm -hmm. um but the two of them are just like they are not women <laughs> mm -hmm. um but they're it's a fantastic film it's very funny and uh and and i think that the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert which is the the australian film that um that two Wong Fu is based on is is also fantastic much more loose and kind of free-flowing than uh than two Wong Fu, which does have a, a plot um and everything but really it's all about drag queens spreading love across the country um and and that's really what we all need so yeah i i fucking love that movie <laughs> it's a great one it really is um another film that i really really loved was from 
a couple of years ago. It's a fantastic woman. It was Chile. Which I still have not seen. Oh my god. I'm sorry. Still have not oh, seen it. So Go on. good. So good. Um, that was Chile's uh, submission to the Academy Awards a couple years ago, and it won. The at the time it was still called Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, I think that was the year before they changed it. But um, but uh, Daniela Vega is is her name. She plays this woman. She's a trans woman, and she loses her partner. Um, he just kind of dies very unexpectedly, and she is obviously grieving and shattered from losing him, but she's also having to deal with the transphobia from his family, and she gets completely shut out. She's not invited to the funeral. They don't want her around. They don't want to give her access to any of his things or any of her things that are still at his place, you know, and, um, and just the way that she's treated and... Um, it's, it's another one that like, I, I don't, I think that it, there is kind of some hope at the end, but it's, I think it's mostly comes from watching someone come through the other side of grief. It's not because it's like, oh, suddenly there's love and acceptance all around. It's not like that, but not to give anything away, but it's really just this beautiful journey and this really heartbreaking journey. And Daniela Vega is incredible in it. Such a, such a beautiful performance I, I still really need to see that that's a good recommendation <clears throat> you have another one um yeah another one i feel like we can't pass by this without at least mentioning almodovar um all of whose films are queer at some level uh one of i think the best uh just in terms of di directly talking about um homosexuality etc is um, all about my mother, uh, which is a 1999 film. And it, it opens actually with a mother losing her son. And after his death, she basically goes out and tries to locate his father and discovers along the way that his, his father has, uh, has, actually, has become a transvestite. At that, at that point is transvestite. Um, is a, a prostitute, et cetera. She becomes friends with, involved with a pregnant nun played by Penelope Cruz. Um, and it's very funny and entertaining. And also, again, you know, building off of what you were talking about, about the, this navigation of grief. And it's this woman's journey, but it's also this, this woman kind of going back into her past and her son's past and and understanding their relationship to this this man and how he has changed and become different and how and kind of how they she rebuilds a life basically out of the loss of her son that sounds really good it is very good um i am just gonna wrap this part up with another plug we talked about them extensively but Another plug for the Fear Street trilogy, which is on Netflix, and we love it. Um, and that's another good one. So absolutely. Thank you. And you and I more about that. Like I said, we've talked about it a lot. <laughs> and I just want to give a shout out to Fire Island, um, mm. which just came out on Hulu. is very good. is very funny. No, it does not pass the Bechdel test. 
uh, <laughs> as one person complained on Twitter today. Um, Loudly. I, that was such a weird, like, it was, oh, it's very weird to see things like that because I'm telling, okay, Fire Island is a movie about gay men on Fire Island. It has, it does have a, a couple of female characters as one very prominent female character, um, who's a lesbian, but no, it does not pass the Bechdel test because that's not, it's not about women. It's, it's about gay men. <laughs> and, and it's not just about gay men, it's about gay men of color and specifically about uh, being an Asian American gay man and navigating that. And it's funny, it's entertaining, it's a fucking gay pride and prejudice on Fire Island. It's hilarious, it's so well done. Um, so I, I mean, really that recommend amazing, that honestly. I do not expect it to be about women because it's about gay men. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot to be said for whatever happened with the Bechdel test and how people got it completely wrong and how they've <laughs> just run amok with it and totally took something that was supposed to be a joke and they took it seriously because dudes do that and they ruin everything anyway it's it's bad faith now at this point like i i do actually think that people are using it to run down certain films so you know the fact that you that you're targeting fire island with like well it's not feminist just like i don't it has fuck all to do with like what are you what are you even talking about it's just like and by the way it does pass the sexy lamp test there is a female character she cannot be replaced by a sexy lamp so <laughs> because she's margaret cho by the way hmm. all right well i need to watch this movie and i will it's lovely it really is a good comedy awesome um so was there anything that you've been watching lately besides fire island that you wanted to mention that may or may not be pride related well I, I don't know if this is pride related or not um i want to give a really quick plug to a film that has kind of become like a, a major sleeper hit in the united states which is very surprising for all of us um rrr which is the uh, indian epic it is three hours long there is everything happens in this film um it's it's funny it's adventurous like it is it's very much like exactly what we talk about when we talk about epics like it it is it's cheesy it's intended to be cheesy it's entertaining you still feel this like great uplift of like yes no you have to save your friend kind of thing like it's very like melodramatic etc it is so well done um it's on netflix it is one of those films i had to watch it in two parts simply because it's a three hour long film uh but it's got musical numbers and dudes throwing leopards at other dudes and rebelling against the British and rescuing small children from the grasps of evil of the evil governor of Delhi. I mean, why um, would anybody not want to watch that? That sounds perfect. It's so fantastic. It's so uplifting. It is a great film to just like sit back and enjoy. And, uh, and I particularly enjoy the fact that I watched it during the Platinum Jubilee weekend, because uh, <laughs> nobody hates the British the way that this film hates the British, honestly. Mm -hmm. So yes, strongly recommend it. Everybody just sit down, carve out three hours, carve out an hour and a half one day, an hour and a half the next. Sit down and watch this movie. I have not seen it yet. I have been wanting to, and part of why I haven't is because it's three hours long, but I think this is going to be the weekend that it happens. Um, I can't wait. 
And even without having seen it, and even without having seen anything else that's coming, I there's just this part of me that really hopes this is the year that India wins the international feature Oscar. They've never it'll be, won. It'll be interesting. I mean, it, you know, people have remarked on the fact that, well, but Indi, you know, in, India is one of the biggest producers of films. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they are, you know, it's basically Hollywood, India, um, Nigeria, China are among the biggest. Yep. And, and Indian films, particularly the big popular films, are very different from American films. But I think, you know, we need to note the fact that, that that's okay, right? So this particular film that I'm talking about, it's cheesy. Like you look at it, it's just like, oh, a lot of this is really cheesy. It's very on the nose, but it does what it does so well and is so entertaining. And that really does cross borders. Like watching it, you're just like, this is just fun to experience. And like, I'm emotionally invested in the fates of these characters. I cannot um, wait to watch it. I really can't. I I haven't watched as many as I would like, but I I... I don't think I've ever seen an Indian film that I did not love. There, they really, there, there is a very different um, feel when you're watching an Indian film, and I just, yeah, I really, I really like, and it's, you know, you're uh, several years ago. I actually went on a trip, and our tour guide, I was in India, and our tour guide, we were talking about movies, and because I, what was the one? that had come out um this was 2017 that i took that trip and i can't think of what movie we would have been talking about oh lion he was asking me about lion he Uh hadn't seen it yet i loved lion i thought that was a beautiful film and he he said that people in india didn't really want to watch it because they watch movies to escape. They're like, look around. Life sucks. Life is hard. Why do we want to watch movies about people going through hard things? We want to watch movies about people enjoying life. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and and ever since then, like I've I've thought about that a lot. And um, it's it it really does contextualize Indian films very specifically. Yeah, and and actually, some of the. Uh... I think that some of the types of films that we get in the United States um, that are, are as close as kind of the feel of, of, a, of a lot of it. And we do have to note that there are a lot of different kinds of Indian films. They do oh, have absolutely. very serious films. Mm-hmm. They do have some some very, they have their own, um, uh, yeah, they have, there There are other kinds of films than kind of the big Bollywood epics or musicals, et cetera. Those are, those are basically their action movies in the same right, way. Yeah. But that's what I, that's what I was going to say is, is the film like Fast and the Furious are really as close as I can get to the feel of a lot of Indian mm. films because it's that, the, is this physically possible? No. Is this like incredibly melodramatic and on the nose and just like superficial emotions? 100%. I love it. It is so entertaining, right? I am I'm sitting here being entertained by this. And and I care enough about the characters that I actually want to watch what happens to them. I care that they win the race, you know. Yeah. Um and and yeah, and I think that we need to embrace that more. I'm really glad that this film, you know, I I honestly never would have I would never have watched this film if a number of people um had not kept on saying like you really want to watch this film. Like you you will love it and I was fine like okay, yeah, sure, this sounds like fun. Um 
but yeah, it, it can be daunting, especially when you're looking at a three hour film. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily, at least with these kinds of three hour films, it doesn't feel like a slog. It doesn't feel like you're, you know, you really are just like, oh, it's more stuff is just going to happen and it's going <laughs> to get even more intense. And oh, my God. But what if he betrays his best friend? <laughs> um, I, I honestly can't wait to watch it. I really, yeah. I really do want to. I've been looking forward to it. I was trying to see it in the theater, but then that didn't work out. So because it got such a limited release. But just in general, mm -hmm. I appreciate it. It is on Netflix. And I appreciate that Netflix actually has really cultivated cultivated they don't do a lot to show you that it's there but they've cultivated a pretty nice collection of indian films yeah and there are lots of of good ones on there so it's uh yeah you don't i feel like netflix is doing more with international than a lot of the other streamers are doing yeah, the problem with Netflix is that they, they like you say, they bury them. They tend mm -hmm. to like wind up in, actually, I'm get, because of the algorithm, I'm getting a lot of suggestions for Indian films now because Yay. I watched it. <laughs> um, and so it's like, oh, actually, that sounds kind of interesting. A gay cop and a lesbian school teacher decide to get married <laughs> in order to appease their families. This sounds, it, that's, that's cool. All right, I'll watch that. <laughs> um, it's two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What could possibly happen? Two and a half hours of joy. Well, and you know what? It's funny because when we when I was on that trip, we went to a movie theater, um, and it well that was a very interesting experience, like in a great way. It was. I'm so glad that we went. Our tour guide was really excited. He was just like, "I want you to experience what the movies are like here in India," and so. We were going to go one night, and then he said, oh, no, we're going to have to wait until tomorrow because they're showing The Mummy. And he goes, you didn't come all the way to India to see Tom Cruise. And I was like, well, maybe some of us did. <laughs> but um, so then we, wait, we went the next night, and you go in, and it's just like, he said, oh, yeah, the seats are really nice. They're recliners. You know, we go in, and my friend and I, we cannot watch movies without popcorn. So we go up and buy popcorn, and <laughs> we were like... Yeah, we'll take a large popcorn, and it was less than what we get in a small here. It was just <laughs> like, wait, where's the rest of it? Um, and I was like, oh yeah, Americans, this is why we're all fat. But um, then hey. we go into the theater, and the recliners basically like you just scoot back the seat a little bit, and the front pops up just a little bit so that your feet aren't directly on the floor. <laughs> that was the <laughs> recliners, and I was like, oh, huh, wow. This is very different, um, but it was but it was nice and it was it was cozy. It was comfortable. It was big auditorium. It was full, and they started with the national anthem. <laughs> Everyone stood. It was recorded. It wasn't somebody in the room singing, but they had the national anthem, and then they started the trailers. And then the movie started and everyone was so into it. We didn't have subtitles, so we had no idea what was going on, but we were having an amazing time. And then they had an intermission. Imagine that, an intermission in a two-hour movie. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was it was just so much fun. And so if anybody finds themselves on a trip to India, I highly recommend going to the movies. It is a great cultural experience that you will not regret. I will remember to do that. There you go. And we saw a movie called Three Idiots. 
<laughs> rob a bank or something like that. It wasn't just Three Idiots because there's a there's like a whole movie. Uh, I think there's a, th- a franchise, the Three Idiots franchise. Um, But it's these three guys, and they're dumb, and they rob a bank, and everything goes wrong because they're really are they're nice guys. They're not big bad crooks, and of course there's a musical number, and of course there's beautiful girl that shows up who is in love with one of the robbers, and the cops are outside. It's a standoff, and it it was just so much fun. (laughs) So, um, I just really want to put in a quick plug for a show that will have premiered on Disney Plus by the time you are listening to this, and that is Ms. Marvel, which is the newest MCU show. Mm -hmm. It is on Disney Plus, and I didn't have any idea what to expect. I loved it. It's so, so cute. Um, The girl who plays... Kamala Khan, who's the main character. Her name is Aman Vellani, and she, that girl is going places. She is so good. She's very funny. She's very sweet. And, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for this show. It's this, this teenage girl in New Jersey who is obsessed with Captain Marvel. That's her favorite Avenger, because in this universe, the Avengers exist. And, um, they're going to, she and her friend are going to their first avenger con and they're dressing as their she's well she's doing the captain marvel cosplay and she accidentally discovers that she has some powers and a long family legacy so um yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's very colorful the music is great they incorporate her family is pakistani i believe um and um so they incorporate um a lot of music from the region, but also current, more modern pop music, uh, American pop music, I mean. um, And her family is Muslim. They show, you know, scenes at the mosque. And and so it's just this, like, it just really dives into this other world and just really lets us just feel um, this girl's experience. And it's just, it's very clever. It's very funny. Very well written, so... That sounds lovely. Yeah. I've been very resistant to the Marvel shows, but you may you may be talking me into giving this one a shot. I feel like this is one that you will like. Okay. Yeah. If not, I mean, you can watch the first episode and, and just say, eh, no. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's pretty easy. To... But I think you'll like this one. I think you should give it a try. Cool. It feels like a less... Um, uh, less violent and less um, I won't say vulgar because I don't feel like she's vulgar but it feels mm. like a more toned down version a little bit of Birds of, Birds of Prey except for Kamala okay. hero not a villain okay alright all right. All right. you might you might have <laughs> sold me right there <laughs> speaking of bisexual representation yes. Harley Quinn is canonically bisexual oh, just want yeah, to say completely. that mm-hmm Yep. And I strongly support in Birds of Prey 2 when that movie is definitely going it's to be going made. It's going to be made. It's going to. We need Poison Ivy because yep. my understanding from those who know is that Harley and Poison Ivy have a thing. So, yes. yeah. They very <laughs> much do. That is canon. And if it's not canon in the comics, it's canon in my brain. So it needs to happen. <laughs> I think so. that it is canon in the comics, at I'm least some sure of them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. 
So, all right. Any final thoughts? No, watch more movies, guys. Watch more movies. Watch all the movies and then watch more of them. <laughs> that is how that works. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If uh, if you have made it all, to, all the way to the end, um, you are one of our favorite people. We love you. And we hope that you have found some great movies to check out and add to your list. Um, we will be back with more episodes and we're working on some bonus content and stuff for uh, for our Patreon. Um, and I know I promised a week or two ago that I was going to start my cruising with crews on the Patreon and that is happening. That is happening this week. So I just, <laughs> speaking of not finding time, I have not found time to rewatch Endless Love, which is, I mean, he's in it for 45 seconds. Do I really need to rewatch the whole movie? Probably not, but yes, I will. I will do it right. So <laughs> you anyway. do because that movie sounds insane. <laughs> it is insane. It is so insane. It's like if I had not witnessed it with my eyes, I would probably not have believed it. But anyway, um, so if you are a patron, you will be able to access that and so much more. Um, and we would like to thank our patrons who help keep this show going. They are Adriana, Ali, Brian. Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Kathleen, Cariata, Mason, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Tao, and Will. And you can join them too by going to patreon.com slash citizendame and signing up. We also have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizendamepod. I have been super busy and have not gotten new stuff in there, but it's coming. It's coming, I promise. Um, and we have our ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash citizen dame. For other ways to connect with us, be sure to check out our website, citizendamepod.com. We do have reviews for stuff. I think the latest thing on there was Lauren's review of The Northman, which is great, and you definitely need to give that a read. I will have reviews this week for um, Ms. Marvel. I will have a written review of that. Um, there's a couple new things coming. I might even write a little thing or two about the dinosaur movie. We'll see. Who knows? And I'll also have some Tribeca stuff coming up within the next couple of weeks. Yay, Tribeca! Yay, Tribeca! Ooh, we love Tribeca. <laughs> um, if you want to contact us directly, you can reach us at citizendamepod at gmail.com. And you can find us on all the socials, or some of the socials. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Citizen Dame Pod and Letterboxd at Citizen Dame, where we do or will have a list of Pride movie recommendations. I don't remember if there's one there right now, but it'll be there by the time you're listening to this. I... <laughs> there are a bunch of cowboy movies that are totally 100% heterosexual. So yes, there's that. <laughs> there is that. That's a good start. That is a good start. So. Anyway, um, and you can also find us individually. Lauren, where are you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at LH Business. And I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Karen M. Peterson. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next time. Bye. I don't think I get it. Try more gum. Albert, I hear you. Thank you. I know you do. Because you have to explore it. But let's start with the premise that when you see this stunning, smoldering creature, she transcends your desire to chew. She electrifies you. Something starts in your pelvis and works its way towards your heart, where it becomes heart slash pelvis. Yes? 
coming. What about me? What do I do? Do I just stand here like an object? No. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Or Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. Or Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. Or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. All right, just work on that. I'll be right back. It's looking wonderful, though. 